episode 20 of Inside the Arc. I am Alec Bussey, and I'm happy to be joined by my fantastic partner, Brandon Simberg. Brandon, how are we doing on this cold, cloudy Friday? Yeah, despite the gross weather this week, you know, snow on the ground everywhere. Every time I left to go pick up food or something, my shoes were just so disgusting. But aside from that, I'm doing pretty well. You know, we haven't done a podcast in a while, so excited to be back on talking some Illinois hoops. How are you doing today, Alec? Doing well. I came home. Dad's birthday's this weekend. Thought I'd come home for that. Surprised him yesterday. Since we last had a podcast with Stephen Barrio prior to the Wisconsin game, Illinois has needed overtime to beat Nebraska and 15 straight points from Iowa DeSumo. Um, then they needed uh, more heroics from Iowa against Northwestern at State Farm Center. I think that was on Tuesday night. Iowa hit back-to-back deep threes. But either way, the Illini have won six straight games and they're in second place in the Big Ten. But are you concerned with how they've played in their last two games? Yeah, I'm pretty concerned because, you know, Io and Brad and they're they say the the cliche, you know, oh, don't look at Nebraska's record or, you know, Northwestern's a good team. I don't know, man. I, I don't think those are good teams. So for me, I'm concerned because I thought after the Wisconsin game and the Iowa game, that maybe they cleared this patch up of inconsistent play and not playing 40 minutes. And I'm worried that's back now because you can get away with that against Nebraska. You can get away with that against Northwestern. But as we saw in the Ohio State loss a couple weeks ago when they dug themselves a first half hole, against a real team, a, a team that has aspirations like Illinois does, I don't think you can dig yourselves these holes and ask Io to bail you out at the end. Like, I think they need to start showing that they can play more competitive for 40 minutes. And I think the good thing is the schedule actually gets harder. So they'll be fully aware of that. They'll know they have to play well for 40 minutes. And we'll, we again get to see if this trend of not playing well goes away. But as it stands today, Friday, February 19th, I'm concerned with how the past two games went. Uh, how are you feeling about this last week of play? I think it's concerning because I, similar to you, thought that the lackadaisical, lethargic style of play that we had seen against Purdue and we'd seen against Indiana and Maryland and Ohio State, I guess that would have been stretching from around Christmas to mid-January was behind this team. I mean, after they had that meeting, uh, after the loss to Maryland, I was thinking, all right, well, this is this is gone. They've moved on from this. And this is a lot different than last year's team. I think last year's team around this time, I was always saying, it doesn't matter how you win, just win. Because last year's team wasn't, in my opinion, competing to go to an Elite Eight, a Final Four, maybe a national championship in a perfect scenario. And I still think that this year's team can maybe do those things, but they need a lot of things to go right and they need a good bracket. But last year's team, it would have been not a Cinderella run, but it would have been kind of surprising to see them do that. Last year's team, they just needed to win. I think this year's team, they do need to win and they should be winning convincingly against lesser opponents like Northwestern and like Nebraska. And I think this goes back to what we've had our text conversations with when we're talking about Michigan. When Michigan's played those teams, they've won by 10, 10 points. I know last night they played um, – Rutgers, and I think they won by nine. They won by eight or nine, and they ended up not covering. But they were up by 19 at one point in the second half of that game, and they never really let it get in within doubt there inside the second half. So I think that's that's what's concerning about Illinois right now is that they're not dominating these teams that they should be dominating, and it's like they can just flip this switch that's in their head when they play a really good team, when they play in Iowa. They played a complete 40 minutes against Iowa. When they played Wisconsin, that was probably the best 40 minutes Illinois has played, maybe going back to the Duke game early in the year, and they obviously played a great 40 minutes against Duke, and going back to their what fourth game of the year against Baylor, I mean, they played really well for 30 to 35 minutes of that Baylor game, and Baylor's just better than them at that point and they probably still are but I think it's concerning that they think that they can just flip a switch but maybe they can just flip a switch against good teams but you don't want to have to find yourself in a spot in the NCAA tournament where you're playing a 15 seed you're playing a 14 seed or a lower seed and you feel like you can just overlook them and you're going to advance to the round of 32 or the sweet 16 or whatever round it might be and get upset because that's what happens in the NCAA tournament against teams that are one of the 68 best in the country. A hundred percent. I think that's my biggest fear for this team right now is that they get, I'm, I think, the, I think they're on a good path to get to the two seed. You know, I think we'll talk about a longer season outlook with Isaac coming up in a bit, but my, my biggest fear with this team is that 
you know, they're a two seed. They could win round one against a 15. I'm, I'm not worried about some crazy upset there. But then on the seven line, you have some pretty capable teams. And I'm worried they're going to come out with the slow start thing and not play well. And all of a sudden they're down and they think they can flip the switch and you can't. And then the season's over and not getting to a, a sweet 16 with this group because they couldn't figure out how to consistently play well for 40 minutes would be a huge disappointment. So I think tomorrow is a good opportunity to see if they've gotten over that. And if that was just a playing down to their opponents thing, because again, we'll talk about Minnesota more with Isaac, but they're really good. They're 13 and one at home. They beat Michigan at home. They, they beat uh, Iowa at home. Like they, they're a very good home team. And I think tomorrow is going to be a good test to see where Illinois is at. And if they've gotten over that two game, I mean, they, they won those games, but, you know, playing down to their competition. Yeah. And I, I think it's great if you're Illinois that you can, let's look at the, let's look at the Northwestern game, for example. I mean, they never trailed in that game. And there was a lot of fans who I'm assuming were probably pretty concerned when they're, when Northwestern got it down to, he got it down to one point inside the last like five or six minutes, but around the four minute mark, Illinois is up three. And I got a text from two or three of my buddies and they're like, are you nervous that we're going to lose? And I was like, no, I don't, I, I think Illinois is going to win. And they're like, wow. I was, I simply, I was, I literally just thought, I was like, Illinois has Iowa. Like, that's what I said. And they were like, okay. And I texted another group of friends and I was like, I think I was going to do something really cool. And they're like, oh yeah, that's a real hot take from you in the last four minutes of winning time. And it's a joke that I have along with these friends of mine, but he then hits those two back-to-back threes. And I text him and I was like, I told you he would do something cool. And they're just laughing. Like, and I think that that's a saving grace is that in Io's career, dating back to his freshman year, he's missed two shots really in winning time. One was against Mizzou this year in bragging rights. And he was trying to get fouled. And we've heard his explanation on that. And two was damn near a half court heave against Maryland where he's falling forward. And if he's not falling forward, it's probably going in and you're forcing overtime. Like IO is just special in winning time for whatever reason it is. And I think that gives you hope if you're playing against a team in the NCAA tournament and you're down and you shouldn't be to them, but you don't want to find yourself in that situation because crazy things happen in March. And that's the problem with what we've seen from Illinois against Nebraska and against Northwestern and even dating back earlier into the season against lesser opponents. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you hit that right on the nose and we're going to see because they have Ohio state on the schedule coming up, you know, Wisconsin has not been great, um, but that's still not an easy place to play. And it's certainly a step up in competition from Nebraska and Northwestern, the Michigan game, it might get rescheduled. It might not. Brad doesn't like to tell us much about that, but you know, that could be on the horizon too. So they can get those, they can get those three games on the schedule that that'll be a really good litmus test of where they're at. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's still time for this team to go kind of prove it again, some of these higher caliber teams. And we'll have to see if they're able to do that. Anyway, let's get to today's guest, Isaac Trotter of the Pulse of the Post Bulletin in Rochester, Minnesota. Isaac can be found on Twitter at Isaac underscore Trotter PB. Isaac is a 2020 graduate of the University of Illinois. And uh, during his time with the Illini, uh, he covered fighting Illini football with Illini Acquire and then gave some spot coverage with the basketball program as well. So let's get to that interview with Isaac Trotter. All right, we now welcome on Isaac Trotter. Isaac, before we dive into talking about this Illinois-Minnesota game, I want to just kind of catch up on what you're doing in the professional world and how that's treating you, because I really miss you on the Illinois football beat and uh, kind of miss seeing you in the basketball games a little bit too, although you didn't come up to those as often as football games. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm working at the uh, Post Bulletin here in Rochester, Minnesota. So I'm like, I've done a lot of like, um, high school stuff here. And then they've had me do a little bit more of like Viking stuff throughout the year. So we did like weekly podcasts with the Vikings and everything. So that was super fun. And I got to do some columns for the Vikings and then like, but like the, the beauty kind of the, this job is that like, while I miss kind of being on a, you know, the Illinois football beat, and then I would also help out with basketball. But like, while I miss that, I feel like I get a better sense of the team from a little bit farther away just because I'm not like around it all the time but I can kind of watch everything from a different perspective and I have a little bit more time to like go back and watch all of these different like watch the games twice and and kind of pick up on stuff and then I get to watch all these other games around the league more so I I've 
you know, it, it's right now. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be like, I don't think I'm going to be a Rochester post bulletin lifer. I'm obviously going to like try to go to like some next stops maybe eventually down the road. Um, but I, I do enjoy just this aspect of my job right now where I just have a little bit more time to dive in on some of these other teams and, and not be working 85 hours a week in college. <laughs> All right. Now, diving into the game now, I think the biggest concern that I think Illinois fans probably have going into this game on Saturday against Minnesota is the fact that Minnesota is 13-1 at home this year, including a really impressive win against Michigan. What makes them so good at the barn? Brad Underwood wouldn't give us many details, but I feel like he can probably offer a little bit more insight there, Isaac. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they just shoot better at home. They're way better shooting team at home. I think, um, you know, you look back at that Iowa game, Brandon Johnson hits, hits eight threes against Iowa. They come back from a crazy deficit and win that game in overtime. So Brandon Johnson goes eight for nine, I think, from three in that game. And then in the other games combined, he's made five threes in the other 20 games. So it's just like they shoot better at home. But I, I will be honest, like while they do have a home court advantage here, I feel like the big story around this game is the injuries. Because Gabe Kalsher is one of the a premier defenders in the conference. You know, sometimes his sometimes his three point shot is like at what everybody focuses on. He's only shooting twenty four percent from three, and like that's a big thing. But if you look back at the times that he's matched up with Io, he's really played him tough. I think Iowa was five for 14 in their first game of the year. Then last year, I, I'm almost positive Kalsher held him to like 11 or 12, not anything crazy. So that that's a big loss. He's out with a hand injury. And then Liam Robbins might not play too with a foot injury and they just are not deep. So while they're good at home and I feel like they would definitely like they would definitely give Illinois a lot of trouble if, if Robbins and Kalsher were both playing. If both of those guys are out, you're making a, a team that's not very deep already lose two of their best three players, two of the best four players, including two of their best defenders. That's a tall task against an Illinois team that has some pretty big matchup advantages in this one. So they played without Kalsher on Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I don't know, man, the pandemic, the, the weekday nights, I, I don't really know what day it is, but they played against Indiana and they lost, but I thought offensively they got some production for some other guys. So who kind of stepped up in Kalsher's absence? Yeah, I think Trey Williams is one that really stepped up and played well. I mean, he only went one for six from three, but he attacked the rim pretty viciously. I think he scored like nine of his 11 in that first half. Um, but the one to, the one guy to watch who I think is going to be a budding star in this league is Jamal Mashburn Jr. Uh, he He's not really a huge three-point threat. you got to get a hand up. You don't have to really like fly out there on him. But his mid-range game is good. It's really silky and smooth. He gets in there. And if you look at Illinois' defense, Illinois likes to take away threes. They like to take away layups. But they also like they, – they'll give you those mid-range jumpers. Well, Jamal Mashburn is going to take advantage of that. And so I think, you know, if you're looking at this matchup, Trent Frazier's probably Illinois' best perimeter defender, I think, this year. We'd probably all agree on that. He'll take Carr. That secondary guy, whether that's an Adam Miller, whether that's Andre Curbelo when he comes into the game a little bit, like that secondary guy, I don't think Iowa will be on him, but that's I think it's Adam. So Adam and Andre Curbelo are going to really be challenged by Jamal Mashburn. I think Adam and Andre are better players, but in this game, Mashburn's playing with a little bit more confidence because he went off for 19 in his first career start, uh, he hit he hit four or six from the from the line, but he was six for thirteen on twos, which I think is really important. Just those mid range jumpers, he can get in the lane and play really well. Obviously, like Carr is going to be the stud, but you know now that Kalsher's out and Robbins is limited, Brandon Johnson and Jamal Mashburn are the two to really watch because you know obviously like Johnson, like he's a six, eight, four, fours have given Illinois trouble sometime this year. Like I look at DeMonte and I go, okay, you're six, three going up against six, eight, dude. Like that's, that's an interesting one. Like this is a big opportunity for Grandison to prove himself a little bit. So like, I, th- I think that Johnson and Mashburn are the two that you could really potentially hurt Illinois and they'll need to do a good job taking them away. Cause cars going to kind of get his right. Trent's going to, you know, Trent's going to kind of slow him down as, as, as much as he can, but cars just so good. And he's going to probably get, So when I watch Minnesota this year, I feel like it's, you know, if Marcus Carr has a really good game, they're tough to beat. And if he doesn't, then they're pretty easy to beat. Is that like a fair assessment of this team? No, I think that's I think that's absolutely fair. And there there were instances when, you know, you started to see some of the stats earlier in the year where the more they pass, the better offensive numbers that they would get. And when they dribble a lot, that's a problem. Now, Carr's obviously a very ball dominant 
point guard. I wouldn't say he's there for his assists, but when he passes more, they're better. Like he had eight assists in a game against Nebraska where they won. He scored 21 in that game, but really the eight assists were the reason why they've won it. And when he's, when he's at their best, he's more of a facilitator. Like they beat Ohio state this year and they curb stomped them by 17 and you know, Carr only had 15 points and finished two of 12 from the field. So like that, like while you're right in that thing, like when he's on, that's when they're really, really, really good. It's honestly when he's more on as a distributor and other guys around him are making shots. The problem is that the supporting cast hasn't been making shots at all. And, and that's a big problem. Like this team is, you know, they're going to shoot the three a lot. The problem is they're really bad at shooting the three. And that's one thing that Illinois defense gives them a hard time because Illinois forces them to take, tough contested threes and Minnesota just doesn't make a lot of threes in general. I think they're last in the big 10 and threes at 28%. You mentioned Minnesota's shooting struggles. One player who I guess has really kind of started to come into his own is Brandon Johnson. I think in the last six games, he's finished in double figures five times. What's changed for him of late? I think just like being comfortable. I mean, we're that's a, that's a Western Michigan transfer still like figuring out like how this big 10 works. But the thing with Johnson is like, you you know, the three, like he goes like that has that huge monster three point game against Iowa, but then he really struggled from that point on. But you can't really like, you can't really fault his effort. He's going to go to the rim and he gets to the free throw line a lot. I think he had eight free throw attempts against Indiana. Uh, yeah. I'm looking right now he had, in three of his last four games, he's gotten to the line at least six times. So he's just an aggressive talented offensive weapon who can really use that mid-range game again like and if if he's on that just adds another weapon to him and you know this it feels it's so weird to think like this game could come down to if Liam Robbins plays or not <laughs> like it's competitive because just the the post depth behind Robbins is just insignificant and we saw what we saw what Kofi did against Robbins last time so if Robbins is out with that sprained ankle they say it's it's really bad it's a bad sprained ankle and if he's out Kofi could have another big day, but again, like you have to, uh, on the defensive end, you have to force them to take tough shots. And I, or in Minnesota, just not been very good at shooting this year. They're just not a good shooting team. And so that's why I feel like this matchup leads to why Illinois should win this game. You've mentioned Liam, Liam Robbins a lot with his injury. Let's assume he plays. I feel like he's quietly had a really good year for Minnesota this year. Outside of the game that Kofi just handed him in the first matchup, Isaac, where has he really improved since that game earlier this season? You know, I think, um, you know, I think he's really found his, his stride. Like he, it's weird. He had like that, a little bit of a slow start and he really got going a little bit. Illinois kind of gave him a little taste of his own medicine. We had 18 against Iowa, 18 against Michigan state, 27 against Ohio state, 22 against Michigan. Like when, when they're really good is when Robbins is awesome. Like that, that's a thing, but he's kind of slowed down recently. And part of that is definitely the injury. But I also think that teams are scouting him a little bit more. And Robbins is a, a guy who's lost a lot of weight, but he still struggles with, with really physical, strong big men so like you know Trayvon Williams has given him trouble a couple times Miles Johnson gave him trouble especially on the defensive side they just they do a good job of walling up and Robbins can really stretch the floor and shoot some threes but now it just feels like he's so rushed to shoot the three so right now I think um, I think he hasn't made a three in each of the last four games and that's a far cry from the dude who made three of three against Michigan like they, they won that game because Robbins was going nuts from three so I think that you know, he's a, he's a really talented offensive weapon, but the, the player that he was at, against Illinois early in the season and the player that he is now, it's honestly pretty similar just because early in the year he's struggling with confidence and now he's injured and struggling with confidence again. So you just can't let him get right because if he gets right again, that that's when Minnesota is really, really good. All right. So I feel like we've covered enough Minnesota. We've talked to every player that there is to talk about. So I kind of want to shift towards the bigger big 10 picture. Uh, We're all, we all watch a lot of big 10 basketball. We all know the key players, the key teams. And as the season winds down, there's been talk of big 10 player of the year and, you know, big 10 all first team, big 10 and all these things. So Isaac, we're going to put you on the spot a little bit right here. And you can obviously think about this, but the season ended today, who would the five players be on your all big 10 first team? Okay. You, I thought you were gearing me up for like Io Luca thing. Uh, we're we're going to get to that too. We're okay. going to get to that too. All right. So that, so that's different. All right. Um, all five, like my five guys. So this is hard because I feel like, I feel like I have two locks in Io and Luca, right? Absolutely. 
every time I watch Trace Jackson Davis, I feel a little bit underwhelmed, right? Like I just do, but he's still like, he's still so dominant and so good. So I'll, I'll put him on there as the third dude. And then I look at Kofi and I go, well, how do you, how do you leave a dude like that off? Who's been one of the most impactful big men in the country. I think he leads the country in double doubles. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but he like, you know, I was looking at like most improved players of the year. He's got to be in that conversation. You know, one, like the ability not to foul that, that against Northwestern, you got two quick fouls. That was the first time since Baylor that had happened. And I mean, we're talking about a guy that's just a constant double, double every night. So I'll, I guess I'll put him in there and that's four. Then my fifth spot, it's like, it's tough. Cause like Michigan's great. And I love like, absolutely love Franz Wagner. I think he's their best player, but then like Travion Williams has been so good for Purdue. So I'll put, I'll put Williams in there at the fifth spot. I don't think, I don't think I can justify putting Marcus Carr in, even though his numbers are really good. I can't justify putting him in Hunter Dickinson's been really good, but a little bit slow in the last couple of games. And I feel like, I feel like Travion Williams that does everything for that Purdue team. So gun to my head, I'm doing a lot of big men, but Luca, Kofi, Io, Trace, and and then Travion Williams right now, I think. Maybe. But that's subject to change because I really do like Franz Wagner and he could definitely be in the mix there too. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up you brought up Wagner. And one of the first times like I saw you know, I first saw you on Twitter and I don't know, I was like, this is some guy who used to cover Illinois. But in yeah. the preseason, you were like, Where is the love for Franz Wagner? And I was like, okay, I like this guy. This guy is smart. Um, he so I agree. I own Luca. They're the player of the year candidates. Those two are locked on. I actually have Wagner as my third lock. And okay. I'll make the case. He's the best player on the best team. If Michigan wins the league, I want to reward them with it with a player. And I know Dickinson is the better scorer and Livers the senior. But I think when you just watch that team play. Wagner's what makes them go is what makes them go. I think he's the best defensive player in the league, and I think he should win defensive player of the year like pretty easily. He leads in a bunch of advanced stats like defensive box plus minus. He's the only guy averaging over 1.3 steals and 1.3 blocks. His block and his blocks and steals rate are in their own category, and he's shooting 50% from the field against Rutgers the other night. I thought he was efficient. So for me, I want to reward the best team with a player. So he's my third guy, like locked in. Who are the other two? Then it gets it gets dicey. I again, Carr has been awesome, but if their team finishes tenth, I don't know. Like, again, I want to reward winning, and and you know, Trace has been awesome. It, 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 I agree, he's underwhelming. Like I think, man, that guy could score thirty points a game if he just used his right hand. Like I want so much more from that guy, but he's still like a twenty and ten pretty consistently he's good on defense um and so i but i do have him as the fourth guy and i think it's because it, kofi's been awesome he leads the the country in double doubles he's on a better team i think kofi's job is so much easier though like my thought process is what if you switch the, what if you switch teams with those guys and kofi has to play with rob finnessy and Kristen lander and have no spacing and, you know, like how many times does Kofi get a lob from Io or things like that? I think Trace has to do so much more as the number one guy and his job is harder. And I think he's a little better defensively. So I'm going to reward Trace as the fourth guy. And then the fifth guy, Alec actually talked me into this. I'm kind of leaning EJ Liddell. I think Ohio State's been really good. He's been their best player. His advanced stats are good. He shoots the ball well. So I have EJ as my fifth guy right now with Kofi just missing, Carr just missing. And if Minnesota gets hot at the end of the year, I think I'll swap Carr and Liddell. But Travion Williams just missing. So that Really? So, like, I don't know. I, I just felt like Travion's been more impactful than EJ this year. Even though EJ's great, like, I feel like EJ's good because of everybody around him. Travion has three freshmen starting with him. And Stasha Stefanovic, who is – like whatever like a shooter uh, you know what i mean with bad hair like like <laughs> maybe on is like kind of alone and carrying them this year so I, i'll let alec make the ej case because i wasn't even considering him until he touched Alec him. making an ej case is like just so <laughs> on brand for southern <laughs> illinois isaac you knew my ej liddell love affair before very many people like brandon just like gives me crap all the time about how much i love ej well like you and you and eli knew about it way before a lot of other people he's awesome dude he's unbelievable right like 
and Brandon and I were talking last night. We got into a pretty good text conversation about this. And he was all on Franz. And I was like, dude, EJ's got better numbers. He's better analytically. He's better. Like EJ, he's not as good defensively, but I don't think he can do as much defensively as Franz can because he's not as big and he's not as long. So I think Franz is, Franz is better defensively because of those things. Um, but my five includes EJ. Um, and my five's so weird. It's Luca and Io. They're a clear locks. I have Trace for a lot of the reasons both of you guys said. I don't think you can keep Kofi off if you put Trace on because Kofi's numbers are better than Trace Jackson Davis's numbers are. So you have to put him on there. I, along with Brandon, did not even think about Travion Williams. And I love watching Travion Williams play. He's such a gifted scorer in the paint. But I, I have I have it at EJ. I mean, his numbers this year are just really impressive. His ability to score at all different levels. He's a really good player um, on the defensive end as well. And I think that he's kind of the reason that Ohio State has gotten to this extra level. Because he's taken so much more development this season than, like, a Dwayne Washington Jr. has. I mean, like... The state has had where they've got... He's averaging 15 and a half points this year. Like, he wasn't doing that last year. His improvement is just absurd this year compared to last season. And I think that he deserves to be on it. He's a top 20 finalist for the Nate Smith Award. Like, how do you not put him as one of the top five players in the Big Ten in that case? Okay, so here's my one pushback on that. How many times has EJ Liddell not scored in double figures in a Big Ten game this year? Four. How many times has Travion Williams not scored in a Big Ten or not scored double figures in a Big Ten game this year? One time. Like, I don't, I don't, like, if you look at Travion Williams and you go, how much more does he have to do? 28 against Michigan State, 24 against Minnesota, 23 against Maryland, 17 and 14 against Minnesota again. Michigan, he had 14 and 11, 22 against, like, you know what I mean? Like, I on and on down the list, like, every single time. And, like, that's not a, I don't think that Purdue, supporting cast is awesome like ej is playing with way more ej gets way doesn't get doubles at all double teams at all because they don't want to leave justin arms open they don't want to leave Dwayne washington open like travion is everything for that team like if you're just looking straight numbers i don't like ej's ej is probably the most improved player i'll give him that one I'd, I'd probably vote for him as most improved player i don't know if he's first team all big 10 though when you have some of these other dudes and like the trace and kofi conversation the one thing that i don't hear often Trace is does not give full effort all the time at all. That's he very accurate. It. He dogs it multiple times. You'll see him get boxed out. You'll see him not go for rebounds sometimes. He'll he'll commit silly fouls. Like you can say a lot about Kofi's hands at the beginning of the year, but I don't see him dog at one time. There's it's he's pretty all out effort almost all the time, and I that matters to me sometimes. Just seeing that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't even think about Trayvon Williams. To me, Trayvon Williams is kind of like that forgotten really good player in the Big Ten. And, like, Purdue is, like, kind of the overlooked forgotten team in this year's Big Ten, right? Like, they're up to fourth or fifth, I think, right now in the league. But I feel like everyone just kind of forgets them in the conversation with Illinois, with Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa. I mean, people still talk about Wisconsin more than they talk about Purdue. And I think Purdue's better than Wisconsin is at this point. Agreed. Another guy that should probably be in the conversation, probably isn't in it, but should be in the conversation is Joe Wieskamp. Wieskamp's been great. Like, he's so good. Like, so, so, so good. I agree. I've been driving the Wieskamp wagon. It's just, if I was going to finish fourth, I have a hard time. And they were supposed to win the league. I have a hard time giving them two guys on the first team, at least. I can be talking to Wieskamp's second team. That's probably where I have them. And that's my Illinois thing, too. Like, I own Kofi are so great, but they, they don't win the league. I don't know if I want to reward both. And that's so like nitpicky and like they're second, who cares? But I don't know. I like to reward winning. And that's why I'm, that's why I have Wagner locked. And I mean, we're going to talk about Dickinson. He's averaging 15, 7.8 rebounds and he's shooting 64% from the field. And he's a pretty good rim protector on the best team in the league like that's how that's how deep this is like some of these really good players we just mentioned like are going to carry to the third team that's how deep and competitive this is so i'm i'm totally with you now i will say my one comeback on dickinson is that i I don't know if he's gone up against some of the elite big men yet in the in the conference right so he hasn't faced trace he hasn't faced uh kofi he hasn't faced ej yet he hasn't faced garza so like there's a lot of like now, obviously he's going to put big numbers up on Garza. I'm not saying he's like an elite defensive guy, but I just, I'm looking at like, you know, he hasn't really faced some of the elite, elite big men yet. I don't think. 
And so I want to see how he does against that. Although like he's, you know, guaranteed lock for the freshman of the year, right? Like no one else is in oh, that yeah. conversation. It's, it's over. That was over like a month and a half ago. I feel like. Yeah. Maybe not that long, but it's well, been over for a couple of weeks here. I mean, once Adam Miller realized he couldn't play Chicago state for 27 times a year, I, I, I think that was over. <laughs> Once Adam Miller does uh, showed that he uh, has no other game other than shooting corner threes, <laughs> doesn't take anything off the dribble. <laughs> All right, let's let's get to the let's get to the Big Ten National Player of the Year conversation. I don't know if you saw Iowa's twenty four seven guy. I think his name is David Eichholt. Tweeted last night the conversation about Luca and Iowa should be over after Luca scored thirty one last night. That would have been Thursday. I didn't reply to him because I don't think he follows me, but I did retweet it and I did kind of clap back at it and say, no, like it shouldn't be over because of 31 points from Luca Garza. It's IO's numbers all around, I think are just as good. Obviously he doesn't score as many points, but Luca Garza's rebounding numbers aren't overly impressive. If IO finishes averaging 25 and five and over 40% from three, he's going he's gonna to be one of the few players who have ever done that in the big 10. And if he does the 25 and five, and doesn't win Big Ten Player of the Year, he'll be the first one to not do that. So where do you stand on that? I mean, like, this isn't like an anti-Illinois thing, but Luca's better right now. Like, Luca is worth – like, Luca, like, his numbers right now are – like, if I'm starting a team, do I want Iowa or Luca? I probably want Iowa, right, just because he gives me more everything. But just straight-up numbers-wise this year, Luca's better. Now, here's the conversation that needs to happen. Io's made this com- made this race really close. I think Io absolutely deserves it. I think winning should play a lot into this. If Illinois wins the Big Ten, that should be a that might be the trump card in this when you know you're separated by just a little bit right now. But the thing is, is that like this is a this is a good thing for the Big Ten to have t- the two best players in the country be from your conference, right? Like it, it's a good thing. It's also great that they're rivals. It's also great that they hate each other. It's also great that they've had wars against each other right now, though, Luca is a little bit more deserving, but I don't want to get to the situation or at the end of the year, we have all of these, you know, media members or whatever that we have that at the beginning of the year, they just penciled Luca in. So they go, well, I mean, his numbers are great. I penciled him in before. And so now he's going to be in too. Like there needs to be a conversation. There needs to be dialogue about this. You need to break it down. It shouldn't be just, well, it's Luca all the way. And I feel like for a lot of voters in their mind, they went into the year thinking Luca, his numbers have been good. He's one of the most improved players in the big 10. His, his free throw shootings up, his three point shootings up, his field goal percentages up. Like all of these numbers are up for him. And like, they're just going to pencil them right back in again. So I just, I don't want that to happen. Like would Luca have my vote today? Yes. Could that change down the stretch? Absolutely. Because there's a lot of game left to be played. There's a lot of this, this whole big 10 could be decided down the stretch. And if IO continues to ramp up his game and has another type of Wisconsin like performance and Illinois wins the big 10, then absolutely. He could be worth the big 10 player of the year and, and, you know, national player of the year. But if, if, if Luca wins it, I'm not going to be out here, you know, raising a pitchfork saying that IO was robbed. I mean, like sometimes I feel like fans can kind of get like, this is my guy, this is my team. Like we're definitely like, this is all the way. And like, sometimes you just have to set back a little bit and go, Luca's a really good player too. Like Luca's a really, really good player. And we shouldn't, you know, you might hate Iowa, but I don't think you should hate Luca because you know, that's a guy who came from, you know, he's transformed his body. He's transformed his game. He's worked his butt off. Like he's what you embody like with college basketball. Like you come in as, you know, kind of a no name and transform yourself into one of the best players in the conference and in the country. Yeah. I don't want so to we're saying- like I'm bagging on Luca. Cause I think right now today on Friday, the 19th of February, I would still pick Luca Garza if the season ended today, but like you, I don't want people to just pencil in Luca Garza because it was his award to lose at the beginning of the year. And I think if Io continues to play at this level, he has a chance to at least have his name legitimately in the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it shouldn't, it just, it just needs to be a debate at this point. Maybe it's 55, 45 Luca right now, but there's still time for this to change. What what were you going to say, Brandon? So there's not like 5% for Franz Wagner. Am, Am I alone on that? No, no, no. 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 Not when you're 22nd in the big 10 in scoring. You just can't, you just can't. (laughs) I just get, I just get mesmerized by him shutting random guys down and making them look silly. But no, I think this is a great debate. And I think it almost comes down to voter philosophy. What do you you believe in? Because I do think Luca is the better college player. His numbers are better. 
but his team is not as good. And I think a large, I think a large part of that is on him because I think when we talk about, like you said, like I would pick IO to build a team, like to build my team around first, not only because he's a better facilitator, but when I'm building my team, your center needs to be able to protect the rim. And Iowa's defense is not Luca Garza's fault. I'm not saying that. Jordan Bohannon is an undersized, unathletic guard who's had two hip surgeries. Like he's not stopping anybody. Connor McCaffrey's their four, and that's there's a fly in this league defensively. So their their defensive issues are not Luca Garza's fault. But if he was a good rim protector, that would make up for a lot of those issues. That would that would solve a lot of the problems. And like I think that's a part of the reason they haven't been as good. I, I honestly don't know who I would vote for today. I think it depends on how they finish. If Illinois wins the Big Ten, it should be Io. Wisconsin, I was a game up on Purdue right now. If they were to fall to fifth, I would have a hard time voting for somebody that couldn't get a double bye. But if they finish at second and fourth respectively, man, I, I don't know. I, I'm really torn. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, pretty, it's pretty bad when your center's best defensive move is to flop and try to take a charge. Like that, that's what his go-to move is, trying to defend the post. That's bad. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. So you're yeah. complete. Are, can I can, – one, one quick thing with Iowa's defense. Are you on the Iowa's defense is why they are not a Final Four contender? train with us Isaac because Brandon and I are are driving that train so fast that their defense which I think is 93rd in Ken Palm will not allow them to make it to the final four I agree in theory I still think I'd like to see the matchups of like who they could potentially run into because while Iowa has some major flaws and like I you know there's some screenshots where you just see like you know there's not a defender within like 17 feet of the shooter like that and that's horrible and that could absolutely be their downfall there's also like like this last performance at Wisconsin and we can say Wisconsin is down but at Wisconsin to go on and beat them by 15 and Luca goes for 30 and what 12 I think he had and then Wieskamp is making you know everything you know what I mean like five of six from three like when they do that they can make it to the final four if Luca and and, and Wieskamp are going off for 50 a night like they can absolutely make it to the final four will they though I need to see I need to see the thing I need to see the bracket because there are some teams out there like like I look at like a Seton Hall if they're like an eight or nine and they meet they meet um, Iowa in the second round. That's a great matchup for Seton Hall. Like, to, and Seton Hall is going to absolutely kill it. Or like an Oregon, if they run into an Oregon who can't like, like those guards for Oregon are just going to kill Iowa, just going to kill them. So like, and and Oregon has like the dudes inside who can stop them. And that's an an Oregon team that could be like a six seed, maybe run into Iowa as a three. Like that could absolutely happen. So I I I agree with you guys in theory about the defense, but then there's also like those times where it's like, my God, offensively, like. When they when their best two dudes go for fifty and make you know nine of eleven threes, nine of twelve threes, you're probably not going to win that game. I'm glad I'm glad you brought up Oregon because I've been watching them a lot recently. I I love the Pac-12 for some reason. <laughs> I don't love the Pac-12, but I like Oregon and I like Colorado, and that was a great game last night. Yes, I like Colorado too. Those are two teams that would scare me if I was a high seed and they were like a seven in my region because they can shoot. Oregon's just getting healthy. Like I don't want, I would not want Illinois to see either of those two teams because they get hot. You could be out. Duarte and uh, Figueroa and then Richardson are yeah. just like I don't, I don't know if Illinois can guard them. I really don't. I really, and, and like Oregon just has athletic dudes inside that could, I don't know. I think Kofi's obviously going to, you know, get his against Oregon, but they could give him a challenge, right? Like I'm with you. Like I, I think the PAC 12 sometimes gets a bad rap or I think they get bagged on a lot, but those two teams, like if those two teams make the sweet 16, you will not, like, I will not be shocked at all. And like, if one of them makes a deep run, wouldn't be surprised at all. Although Colorado sometimes can be a little, I don't, I don't think they're super well coached. They're, they're also really bad away from the elevated court, but right. Uh, okay. So going back to defense, I think this is something pretty interesting because I think every big 10 team thinks that their best printer defender should be like defensive player of the year. Like Illinois loves to push the Trent Frazier thing. Like, you know, Trent was visibly upset when he didn't make the Naismith defensive player of the year list. But then I'm on, I was on the Maryland beat last year. So I still follow a lot of Maryland people and Daryl Morsell, you know, people are claiming for Daryl Morsell. And I'm sure if you ask anyone in East Lansing, they'll say Aaron Henry. Um, for a horrible team. <laughs> best, one of the best. I mean, so this is obviously hard because it's, 
it's it's hard to pick an all defensive team, but do you think Trent should make the Big Ten all defense team after not making it last year? I don't know. I don't think so. I th- I just think when you kind of see some of the other dudes, like Franz is a lock for me uh, on the all defensive team. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, who I also really respect defensively. Um, kind of looking at, kind of looking at, you know, I mean. Every time I watch him, it's like Kofi's really impactful defensively, like really impactful defensively. So I, he could be theoretically in the mix there. Who else would be in that mix for you guys? Like, I feel like, I feel like Franz is like the elite defender. Then there's like a drop off. Yeah. I, so I do, I know Henry's team's terrible, but like, if you told me you have one guy to guard a perimeter player, that's still the guy I'm picking. Uh, yeah, and then Gabe Kalsher probably could be in that mix too. Cause he's a really, really solid defender. I just think those guys are, Henry too. are bigger. I think I think Henry would get on it, just because I think that Michigan State and he has so much respect around his name and the way he does play defensively. I'm with Brendan. I think if I need one guy to defend on the perimeter in the Big Ten and guard multiple positions, I would probably pick Henry. Uh, well, Eli Brooks should be in that mix too because he's all over the place defensively. I, and I mean, I actually I do think Daryl Morsal is a really good is a really good defender. They've been Illinois three times in the past three years. I or the past two years. Io hasn't played great in any of those games. I don't think that's coincidence. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of good defenders in the Big Ten, and Trent is good on ball. I think I like him against, like, short, quick guards. Like, Carr's a good matchup for him. But there's just times guys can just shoot over him, and, like, I don't want him switching on to other guys. And, like, I respect that. I respect the hell out of Trent. You know, he came into college as an offensive guy and has changed his mindset. But it, it bothers me when every fan base clamors for their guys, the best defensive player. That's how it's going to be, right? Like that's how it's always going to be. So I, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be up in arms if he doesn't make it just because this is a, like, I think we've seen some really loaded defensive teams so far this year. I think, I think honestly, like Michigan, like Ch- Chandy Brown could be in that mix for them. Like they have like three or four dudes that we could be like, yeah, they all deserve to be on the all big 10 team. How many are they going to get? Probably one. And they probably should deserve at least two. And there's only a finite number of sets. I do think that with Trent though, like, the thing that I like about him is that like he has his off ball defense has improved a lot, but his on ball defense, even for bigger guys, he does a really good job of like staying underneath them and being a pest. And if you think about it, like with a matchup with Michigan, they don't have the big guys to take advantage of him because they're always going to have Eli Brooks or, or Mike Smith on the floor. So, so you don't, you can't really take advantage of that. And, and you just have to like, like, I don't love that matchup with Illinois and Michigan, but I don't think that it's as bad as some people have said. Like, I've seen someone on there, like some of the Michigan people are like, oh, that matchup with Illinois is not good because they have the wings that can really kill Illinois. And I go, well, you don't, you're not, it's not like, it's not like Illinois is not big on the wings. Like, I have 6'5", Adam's a big 6'4", Grandison's 6'7", so it's not like they don't have the dudes that can physically match up. Now, can they stop them? I don't know. We'll have to see. All right. All right. Getting back to the team aspect here, because you kind of mentioned Michigan, do you think that Michigan is the team that's best suited to make a run in March of any of the Big Ten teams? Boy, they look like it right now, don't they? But again, like it, it just comes with a – you haven't played Ohio State, you haven't played Illinois, you haven't played Iowa State. Am I allowed to like wait to watch them play those teams and then make yeah. a decision? Do you want to come on next week? Yeah. Do you want to come on next yeah. week? Yeah. The <laughs> is it, I also really like this Ohio State team. I really do. Like they're deep. But I do feel like big men could give them trouble. And then I look at Illinois and I go, I don't love some of their, you know, I don't think they're as deep as Michigan or as Ohio State. But, like, you have two megastars. And megastars win you games, especially in the tournament. And and late games, I probably side with Iowa on that one. So I, I, st- I like how this Michigan team is constructed. But there's going to be some time where their threes don't fall, or they don't. And, and I sometimes struggle to see how much, uh, how how often they have guys that can create their own shot, like Franz can to a specific extent. But like you know, Livers can, but he's more of like set me up type of guy. Dickinson is more of a set me up type of guy. Brooks is definitely more of a set me up type of guy. I don't see him breaking people down off the dribble all the time. So. If, if they can't, if their threes aren't falling and they're not really able to create their own shots, if like you take away Smith and don't let him facilitate, I think they're vulnerable. I think they're vulnerable. So I, I'll probably go Illinois in that one to make the deepest run, but I would go Illinois one, Ohio State two, just because they're deeper, and then Michigan three. But that can change if I see Michigan like steamrolls a couple other two teams. Yeah. So I'm happy you brought up a lot of things you do with Michigan because, like, to me in March, like, at points you have to just have a dude. Like, you have to be able to give the ball to them and be like, 
go score or go do something amazing. And like, I don't know if Michigan has that dude right now. And like, don't, don't get me wrong. Like Wagner's an amazing player. Liver's great player. Dickinson's going to be a big time freshman of the year. Eli Brooks is experienced and he's a senior. But like none of those guys to me are IO or none of those guys to me are like even Joe Wieskamp on offense. Like Wagner can do amazing things, but like I would never count on Wagner to hit a three. Like I would Joe Wieskamp, if that makes sense. Like, I, at some point, I want to see if they're able to beat a really good team. And they've dominated all these really average and below average teams in the Big Ten. But if you play a, say, Oklahoma State, and they need a dude to, like, do something to Cade, I don't know if they have that. Defensively? No, defensively they do. Wagner's great defensively. But, like, if you need a bucket on the other end and you need a guy to create a shot, yeah. I don't know if they have that. But I also think that's part of their strengths. The fact that they don't have that one dude is also part of their strength because they have just like, I you can't just focus in on one or two guys to take them away. So yeah. I, I get what you're saying with that, but and I also look at that's one of the most connected defensive teams that we've seen this year. That their their defense just suffocates people. You Rutgers saw it last night; they just suffocated them, and that's a good Rutgers team. We I think we all like that Rutgers team. Like eventually, they could be a team that could make a Sweet Sixteen run. But like, I, I kind of like the fact that they don't have a guy. That's the same thing with Ohio State. They don't have a guy. Dwayne Washington is a really good clutch shooter and can shoot. EJ Liddell is. But I like that they don't have a guy. Like, I'm worried about with Illinois that, you know, down the stretch, you know, has Io used up all his late game bullets? Like, that's a that's like a fear that goes through my head. Like, how many times can this dude get away with it? He has like 22 on his resume. Like, can he really do it a 23rd, 24th, 25th time? Like, that scares me a little bit. I feel like Michigan's... Michigan's trump card is their defense, and you, you aren't scoring on them. And that's that's what I think could really carry them in to a deep, deep run. Yeah, that, that's what I like about Michigan, and that's why I feel like they're the least likely team to get, like, shockingly upset early because they can have off games offensively and the other team won't score enough points. And they they, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and they beat them pretty handily. And like even Ohio State, I know it was a long time ago, but they did slip up against Northwestern. They got swept by Purdue, which I'm still not like totally sure how to feel about. And That's Illinois. That's a Travion effect. Travion crushes <laughs> against them because they don't have a big <laughs> that can really shut him down. Uh, and Illinois has that Maryland loss, which again, different part of the season. They seem to turn around, but like Michigan just doesn't have that on their resume. So that's why I feel like. I don't know if their ceiling is the highest, but their floor is the highest because I'm not scared of them no showing a game. Hundred percent. I'm. I, I think. I think you nailed that too. And like with their with their ability with their ability to guard. Like I thought. I thought yesterday really stood out to me because I think they had what a seven minute stretch where they didn't make a field goal and they were up by like 15 at that point and we're in the, at the beginning and then after seven minutes of not making a field goal they were still up 11 and it's like. I mean, that is like, and Rutgers is still a solid offensive team. Like they're, they're not a bad team. Like that's a, what are they going to be a six, seven seed in the tournament? Like that's a good team. And like to, to have a seven minute drought where you just don't score a field goal and your, your only lead only trims by four that, that said a lot to me. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that, but I do think though that they're going to lose a couple games here coming up. They just, they just, I don't think that they're, they're going to be able to make it through this gauntlet unscathed. So last question we have for you here. We've kind of touched on some of these teams, but take out the Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, and Iowa. So we'll give you everyone else in the conference. And I feel like I know who you're going to pick, but which of these other teams, Wisconsin, Purdue, Rutgers, Minnesota, Indiana, and Maryland, do you think could surprise people and all of a sudden, boom, they're playing in the second weekend? Rutgers. Rutgers. I thought you were, thought you were going to say Purdue, so that surprised me. I no, I Purdue. I'm nervous about Purdue. Like they can do it because they have a really good coach and one really good player, but I think Rutgers can, and it's because their perimeter defense. Like I, again, like I feel like I feel like it's it's sexy, it's fun to look at the offense, but their defensive numbers are really really good. I think they're 13th this year in Ken Palm on defense, and I feel like they're closer to the team that was ranked what like seventh, eighth in the country. Ninth, I think, is what the highest they got it to. I think they're closer to that than the team that lost five games in a row in the middle of the Big Ten. So like that's a team that like. That's a team that scares me because, you know, you can point to the free throw shooting and that's a problem for sure. It absolutely is. And it could easily cost them one, but they have dudes. Ron Harper Jr. is going to be a, 
like, I just don't see him having this shooting slump staying forever. Eventually those shots are going to drop. I like how they're constructed on the inside. They can guard on the inside. You know, Paul Mulcahy is an absolute pain in the butt and Brad Davis in 2.0, but he's effective in what, with what he does. And Mathis and Baker and McConnell and Jacob Young, like those guys get after it in transition. So I think, you know, a good matchup for them, they could easily be playing in the second weekend. The thing I have with Purdue, they're just young. And I think they're, I think they're a year early. They feel like the 2015 Cubs, like really good 2015 Cubs, like really good ahead of schedule, did some things like some people didn't think they were going to do, but their real boom year was 2016. That's how Purdue is. Like they're kind of surprising expectations this year. Next year, as they get older, continue to get more shot makers, they continue to play better defense. That, that's a team that could potentially win a Big Ten title. So my, my kind of sleeper team in that regard is actually Maryland. I think they're, I think they're interesting. They're thirteen and ten, but they don't really have any bad losses. I guess at Penn State's probably their worst loss. You know they've shown they can beat Illinois. They're playing better. They've won three straight. They're kind of old. You know Wiggins, Ayala, and Morcel all played in a tournament game and were all on a good team last year. They're, I think what we saw with Illinois, the Illinois game is that they're just pretty long on the wing. Like they kind of play positionless basketball. Five guys between like six five, six four, and six eight. On the right night, like they can make threes and and just be athletic and defend. And I don't think that that's a team I would necessarily want to see, especially with an easier part of their schedule coming up down the stretch here. And it starts with at Rutgers on Sunday, which I think that's a, a really interesting game. Is like, could one of these teams be that sleeper team? No, I like I like that pick. Um, th- that's like a really good value pick. And I, how do you say Hamilton's first name? Jairus? Jairus? Yeah, it's, it's Jarius. I'm pretty sure. Okay, Jarius. Like he's like he's starting to pick up his three point shooting too recently. I think he made three threes in each game against Nebraska. Like that's another weapon for them. I, the big thing I'm concerned with is just big men give them a hard time just because they're smaller. But I like that positionless game. Like if I'm if I'm constructing a team. I want five do five Aaron Wiggins, right? Like that's who I want. I want six, six, two ten, like long athletic can shoot the three can get to the rim. Like, and so I, I really do like that thing. And the, my only concern with them is sometimes you can, sometimes they're not that great of a shooting team as they, you know what I mean? Like they're so inconsistent. They're so streaky. Like Wiggins is what 30% this year. Ayala is under 36%. Uh, Marcel has been 23%. Uh, Marcel is not a good shooter. Right. And so, and so that's where it looks like Scott and Hamilton. If the, if Scott and Hamilton are hitting their threes, they're really, really, really dangerous. But again, I just like, I think that they're going to have some offensive lulls and I'm not sure if they're good enough defensively and rebounding wise, good enough rebounding wise to, you know, knock off some of these top teams but like i mean would it be surprising to you if they beat a villanova a team that can't rebound very well gives up a lot of open threes not a great against pressure defense that would be shocking they could shut down colin gillespie daryl marcel could put the clamps on him like and that's a team they could easily face in the second round yeah i like each of those takes there um isaac before i let you go there was pictures floating around today on twitter and instagram of nolan arenado uh fielding ground balls without a glove hitting off of a tee uh how's that make you feel man because it it makes my heart warm that the cardinals are making moves again 100 wins baby we're gonna win 100 games we are gonna be so back with this pitching staff this bullpen and then a lineup that has two mvp caliber candidates it's you know, it's just really good to be us. It's really, really good to be us. You are much higher on them than I am. I don't know if I have them at 100 wins, but I'm not going to complain if they get 100 wins. There, um, they'll be nine. They'll get 93, 94. Yeah, 100 is too, 100 a little too much, but I mean, I could see it too with this defense. They're really yeah. good defense. Yeah, players. I agree. I think they're at best the third best team in the NL, which that says a lot about what the Dodgers and the Padres have done. And the Dodgers are just unfair good. I like the Braves a little bit more than the Dodgers. No, than the Cardinals. Oh, okay. I was like, well, I was like, Wait, excuse me, no. No, I, they're just their lineups better. I think. Yeah, Acuna's Acuna's the best player of the of the three with Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Acuna. I think Acuna's the one I would take. And then if they bring Ozuna back, yeah, which I think he's going to end up having to go back. He is. I think so too. Yeah, I, I, they're thir- they're in the mix. They gave themselves a shot. Brandon, are you a big baseball boy? October. I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan, and I'm not going to lie, Isaac, you were in the running for Inside of the Art Guest of the Year with your performance today. Until you start rambling about the Cardinals, and I don't know, man. I, the committee is going to have to reconsider you after this. But I, but I did make a Cubs reference. 
I honestly just blacked out during that. I was trying not to listen. Oh, okay. All right. But I did make two Cubs references. So that should put me, that should invalidate oh. the little Cardinal sentence. Like, like a, a Bo Borowski uh, officiated game. We're going to have to go to the monitor and, and review the tape. That's uh, how many times over under Bo Borowski uh, monitor views, four and a half every night. <laughs> Hammer the over. It's bad. It's so it's bad. bad. It's just as bad as TV Teddy. No, TV Teddy was actually a good ref, though. Mm. He wasn't a bad ref. He's one of the best. <laughs> He's not a bad ref. I don't think that's a hot take. Maybe I should Maybe I should do more research on my things. I, I didn't like him as a kid. Like, growing up, I didn't like him, but I don't think he's a bad ref. I don't think he's good. Maybe I just hold against him the nickname and him always making it about himself. But anyway, Isaac, thanks a lot for coming on. We appreciate it, buddy. We're going to have to do it again. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks to Isaac for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Isaac underscore Trotter PB. Tally site. Tally site is the newest and most accurate sports betting information site on the internet. Sports fans, you guys think way too much about the noise that's going on in the internet, the picks that you see, the takes and the predictions, all that stuff that's out there, but you don't really know who to trust. Why not make it simple? Get a tally site subscription and get all of the sports betting information that you need, particularly picks from Brain and I focused on Big Ten basketball, but as well as college basketball as a whole. You can get NFL picks during the NFL season. NBA is going on right now. Get those picks as well. Major League Baseball is right around the corner. You can get those on tally site as well. And then, of course, March Madness is coming up at the most exciting time to be a sports gambler of the year. So get a subscription to tally site. If you're curious about how you can save some money getting a subscription, DM either Brandon and I are on Twitter at Alec underscore Bussy or at Brandon Simberg. We're happy to help you guys out. And thank you for subscribing to Tally site. All right, Brandon, first pick of the podcast, Michigan State travels to your Indiana Hoosiers. Who are you taking? Is this an inside the arc record for the longest time we've gone without mentioning Indiana? This, this might be a record. We'll have to go through the archives. But, uh, yeah, Indiana's at home for Michigan State on Saturday. And for as up and down as Archie Miller has been in his four-year tenure, the one team he's weirdly good against is Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans. They've won their last three against Michigan State, which is shocking considering how good Michigan State's been the last two years and how good Indiana's been the last – and how mediocre Indiana's been the last two years. So I think that you know, Indiana, Bartorvik projects them as a six-point favorite. I like that for them. This is a game they need to win. They want to continue to make the tournament. They took care of business at home against Minnesota the other night. Michigan State's kind of – floundering right now. They're not playing that well. So I like the matchup inside with Trey Shaxon Davis. Michigan State doesn't have any bigs to stop him. So I would take Indiana at minus six or minus five, anything in that range. And if you're into like a money line parlay, I think they're a pretty safe bet to win. So I'm rolling with the Hoosiers on Saturday. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, something that's really surprised me maybe a little bit about Michigan State this year has been their guard play. Rocket Watts has really taken a step back. Um, Langford hasn't probably played as well as he would have liked to play coming off of his injuries. And this might be one of the few teams that Michigan State has probably had a guard advantage against in the Big Ten this year. Indiana's guards have been in the bottom four or five of the league probably. But I think Trace Jackson Davis is going to be too much for Joey Hauser on the inside. Give me the Hoosiers by four or five. Probably I'm thinking a line's going to be around there. So I would probably take Indiana to cover. All right, next one. Biggest game of the weekend in the Big Ten. Michigan travels to Ohio State. First time the Wolverines are playing a top four team in the Big Ten this entire season. Early line released from Vegas. Buckeyes are favored by one and a half. Brennan, pick. Yeah, not only the biggest game of the Big Ten weekend, it's probably the biggest game of the college basketball weekend. So, you know, a Sunday noon marquee game, I think that's great for the sport, great for the Big Ten, although not that they need any more national media love. But I, Michigan has not played a team of this caliber, and Ohio State has. So, and it's in Columbus, which like would lead me to take Ohio State – but man, Michigan has just looked really solid coming off of pause. You know, they came back against Wisconsin. They handled Rutgers pretty well uh, the other night. I just think Michigan's the better team. I think they have more dudes. They have more guys. Ohio State's a bit undersized inside. Dickinson's going to be a problem. But if they want to double him, Michigan has plenty of shooters in Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, and Eli Brooks. I just think Michigan's a better team. I think the coaching is pretty similar. And I think... Both teams could use this. This is a huge game for a one seed. 
But Michigan almost needs us more. Despite having one loss, I think they need to beat someone to prove they're legitimate. I think they're going to carry that with them to the game. And I'm taking Michigan to win outright as an underdog. Alec, as the EJ Liddell stand on this podcast, I will say, though, we were talking about all Big Ten first team, and I'm sure we talked about this earlier, but you talked me to EJ first team all Big Ten. So can he carry the Buckeyes to a home win over number three Michigan? You know, I think this game is just really difficult to pick because, like you said, we haven't seen Michigan play a team of this caliber all season. But what what they've done to lower-level teams in the Big Ten has been remarkable. It's something that very few other teams have done on a consistent basis. We were talking about Michigan's defense during their game against Rutgers and how interesting their defense plays. And to me, they're willing to give up two three-point buckets because – how good of a rim protector Dickinson is in the paint. And I think a key for Ohio state to be able to upset Michigan. And I do think it would be an upset, even though they're favored. Um, it's going to be their ability to hit three point shots. Dwayne Washington jr. Is going to have to get hot. Arns is going to have to get hot from behind the arc too. And Michigan doesn't allow teams to shoot very regularly from deep. Um, so I'm probably leaning Michigan on the road but I don't really feel that confident saying that. And I do think Michigan's better than Ohio State. I just think being on the road in the Big Ten this year is incredibly difficult. I had the number in front of me earlier um, during the press conference with Brad, but I can't remember what it is. Big Ten teams are incredibly um, difficult to beat on the road this year, despite there not being fans. I'm going to take Michigan, but I don't know if I would put money on Michigan, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, Michigan hasn't played a team of this caliber, and they're not Illinois in the sense that they sleepwalk against bad teams. Like you said, they blow bad teams out like they should. So, But maybe just playing that other level of team and you know a different caliber kind of game, that might get to them early. But like we saw against Wisconsin, they can come back. So, yeah, I'm excited for that one, and I agree it's going to be super hard to pick, but I'm leading Michigan. And then the last game we'll get to, a game I think most listeners care about, Illinois is traveling to the barn looking for their eighth straight win. Minnesota is looking for their 14th home win of the season. Gabe Kalsher is out. Lee Robbins is a little banged up for Minnesota, but we think he's going to play. Alec, can Illinois – Bart Torvik has Illinois as a three-point favorite. So my guess will be – my guess the line is kind of around there. Does Illinois give Minnesota their second home loss of the year or do the Gophers end Illinois' win streak? Okay, so early in the week, after Illinois had beaten Northwestern, I was looking at that game and thinking, man, that game's scary. Like, I, if I'm Illinois, I'm more worried about going to the barn and playing Minnesota than I am going to the Cole Center and playing Wisconsin. And that's looking a little bit farther ahead against Wisconsin. But when Gabe Kalsher broke his hand, he got surgery on Friday. That obviously clears him. He ain't playing against Illinois. Liam Robbins being a little bit banged up. Kofi really bothered him in the first matchup. And I know that that was Robbins first or second big time game of his career um, against a real bruiser in the paint. I think Robbins plays a little bit better, but without Gabe Kalsher, who I think that's a big X factor for Minnesota. We saw what they looked like without him against Indiana really hurt their depth. I do think Illinois is able to hand Minnesota their second loss um, of the season at the barn, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Minnesota beat Illinois, but with Kalsher being out, I think Illinois is able to get over the hump and hand the Gophers their second loss at the at the barn this year. Yeah, I think the Kalsher injury is big, but I watched them play Indiana the other night, and Jamal Mashburn Jr. stepped up and had a career high in 19 points. Trey Williams came up or started as well, and he had 11 points. So I actually think they're able to find a rhythm without him and Kalsher has not been that great this year and if Minnesota's a home dog I just feel like Illinois is due for a loss at some point and like you said I think it comes at, at I'm more scared of Minnesota than I am of at Michigan State or at Wisconsin which that would have been a crazy thing to say before the season but it's true I'm more scared of Minnesota at Minnesota I think Marcus Carr has a good game and look man they just make fluky shit happen there they just they win games. They blew Michigan out. They beat Iowa. So if you can get Minnesota as a dog, I think I like the Gophers at home, just given I feel like Illinois is due for a loss and Minnesota is a really good home team. But again, like Michigan, Ohio State, that should be another really good game. Uh, Alec, as we head into the final stretch of the season and 
another you know busy week for Illinois. What do you have to plug for us? Um, nothing in particular. Just keep reading uh, orangeandbluenewsrivals.com. Uh, mostly basketball coverage right now with everything that's going on there. Um, March Madden is coming up, but spring football should be coming up, and we're going to be knocking that out of the park as well. I'm really excited to talk to Brett Bielema on a more regular basis come, I guess, March, maybe a little April football, so that'll be exciting as well. What about you, Brandon? Yeah, so I usually don't plug my game previews because I don't think they're super interesting, just basic X's and O's stuff, and so, you know, a lot of the times by you guys listen to this, the game's over. But even if the Minnesota game's already happened, I would check out my preview for the Minnesota game. I kind of took a look at Brad Underwood's tenure and how they do playing a team the second time and some pretty eye-opening statistics as to sweeping teams in the Big Ten and how over the past two years they've gotten a lot better at that. So I would say go check out my preview for the game. Yeah, I'll have a game story as well. And, yeah, that's all I have for today. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Give us a listen next time, and uh, we appreciate it. Have a good one.